Hey there, and welcome to Truth Be Told, a theology and apologetics podcast not claiming to have all of the answers, but created to analytically look at the truth contained in the Bible and encourage critical thinking on how to apply that truth to our lives. I'm Micah Gunn, and I appreciate you listening in. No matter your level of understanding or knowledge, I sincerely hope and pray that you find these words edifying, informative, and beneficial. So let's get started. Hey everybody, as always, this is Micah Gunn on Truth Be Told, and I just want to start off by saying how much I appreciate all the support lately, um, not just in your listens, but also in the sharing of this podcast. It means a lot. The other day, someone shared it on Facebook, I think, and it boosted the listens by like 3,500% or some ridiculous number. And I woke up and I was like, what is going on? And it was just because as far as I could tell, just one person shared it. So um, if you've been doing that, I really appreciate it. And it does make a huge difference. So thank you not only for listening, but also sharing this with other people. Today uh, will be a shorter episode. I've gotten quite a few requests for different topics of episodes um, and quite a few requests to keep the episode length down because apparently a lot of my listeners don't listen to podcasts for that long. I'm I'm more of like an hour long, 45 minute long podcast listener, but I'm going to give some variety for everybody. So this one today should be a bit shorter for those of you that like that. And what we're going to be talking about is a small phrase that is often heard in prayers. At my church, this has been pretty universally said in prayers to the point where if you don't hear it at the end of a prayer, it kind of pricks your ears up a little bit and you think, oh, they didn't say that. But uh, the problem is... I think a lot of people just hear this phrase so often in my church, and maybe it's the same for yours, that we kind of forget what it actually means. I know that happens with me. It just kind of becomes something that you, um, it just kind of rolls off your tongue rather than actually uh, maintaining the full meaning that it actually has. So I felt like it was valuable because I had a problem with this to actually go through it with you and discover together, like kind of walk through together what I've um, learned in my study about this. And if this isn't a phrase that you say uh, in your prayers, this is also for you because I think it is an important phrase. I think it's something that is good to keep in our prayers for sure. Um, So if this is something you don't say, then still listen in. If this is something you do say, then make sure you're saying it with all the meaning that it actually has. And that is the phrase, in Jesus Christ's name, amen. And even if you don't say it, I'm sure you've heard that in prayers before. It's a pretty common ending to prayers, but why do we say it? Or is it even necessary to say that at the end of all of our prayers? So today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at the necessity of this through kind of a different lens um, to, to add significance and appreciation to the phrase so that our prayers can be even more meaningful. Not that Our prayers aren't already meaningful, but when we have phrases like that that become commonplace, it's good, I think, to look at those and make sure we understand the full meaning of what we're saying. So the first point I'd like to kind of illustrate here is that there is a precedent set in the Bible that we go to the Father through Christ. John 14 verse 6 says, no one comes to the Father except through me, and that's Christ talking to us. And obviously, Um, He doesn't just mean in prayer, but I think prayer is definitely still included in this. And we can see this uh, symbolized at Christ's crucifixion. So after Christ was crucified and he died, 
the veil in the temple was torn right in two, which symbolized this open access that we now had to the Father. So that would have been a place that only the high priest could go once every year on the Day of Atonement. And this was in direct access to God the Father. But at Christ's crucifixion and death, he tore that veil so that we can go to the Father boldly and um, we're, like we're welcome there. You know, we are welcome at the feet of God to petition him, to ask him things. He wants us to communicate with him. And prior to that moment, uh, the high priest went on behalf of the congregation, but now we can go on behalf of ourselves through Jesus Christ's sacrifice. So this precedent set that we go to the Father through Christ, I think is illustrated in the words, in Jesus Christ's name, amen, or in Jesus Christ's name we pray. So in the name of the one who tore the veil so that we could have this access to the Father, we are praying. And often I don't think of that when I'm saying that phrase, but I think if you maintain the meaning of what you're saying, just in this one point, it's pretty clear that this is an important saying. So if you're not saying it, um, and I'm not saying that word for word, this must come out of your mouth every single prayer, otherwise it's an invalid communication with God. That's not my point. This isn't some salvation by works thing where if you don't do this, then somehow you are lessened in God's eyes. Honestly, half of this, um, half of saying this phrase is more just affirmation that you understand the truth of what you're saying. So when you say in Jesus Christ's name, you're, you're recognizing that it is through Christ that you're going to the Father as he set up, as the Father set up. So I'm not saying that if you forget it on one occasion or if you say it in a different way that somehow your prayer is less, it's still truth. But when you do say it, it means you are affirming that you understand the fullness of that truth. And I think that is an important point. So that's the first one, first thing I want to say about why um, in Jesus Christ's name is, is a good, appropriate ending to a prayer before you conclude with amen. And the second point is that it, it's really simple, honestly. Christ tells us to ask the Father in his name. So... I think this is really interesting. This is actually what drove home this point for me as I was studying it. Um, not that the point, the first point isn't valid. I think it definitely is. But this second point was what made it um, just kind of click. I think the illustration that I thought of was like, oh, that makes so much more sense now. And this might be old news to you, maybe just a refresher. But like I said, it was interesting to me and it made me appreciate this uh, in a new light. So I thought I'd share. And that's the illustration that it's it's kind of like you're going to a king and you're a peasant or I'm a peasant and you're going to this king. If you go to the king and just start asking for things, he might or might not listen to you. Just a, an earthly king that is. Obviously God loves us and he wants to hear us. But an earthly king, if you were a peasant, he might not listen to you. Now, if you went to the king and said, the prince sent me to you, to ask this. Well, that would definitely be different. The king would listen on behalf of that prince. So when you go to God the Father and you say, in Jesus Christ's name, I pray, amen. What you're saying is, Father, I'm here because Christ told me to go to you and ask these things in his name. And that adds a lot of weight 
to your words. Again, not that the father doesn't want to listen to you. Not that he isn't interested in the things you're asking or in a relationship with you. He absolutely is. But there's an order to that relationship. There is a structure to that relationship. And that is that you go to the father through Christ on behalf of Christ or, or in his name, you go to the father. And that's just how that's supposed to work. And it's beautiful. Now, the caveat I want to say to this is that I'm not trying to preach a prosperity gospel where everything that you ask in Jesus Christ's name is something that you're going to receive. It's not that you can say, well, I asked for money and I asked for it in Christ's name and I don't have money yet. That's not how this works. It must be according to his will. So another illustration that helped me with this was if you, let, let's say you went to the CEO of your company and you said to the CEO, Hey, my boss told me to let you know that you should burn down this entire company. Well, he probably isn't going to hear you out because it isn't to the benefit of the company. It isn't to the benefit of him or you or your boss. It just doesn't really make sense. The CEO knows better than to grant that request from you. He also knows that the boss probably wouldn't send you to ask something like that. So if I'm going to the father in Christ's name and through Christ, then I should be sure that the things I'm asking for are in line with what Christ has is willing basically, or what, what God, the father is willing. That's going to be a prayer that gets not only heard, I think you're heard when you pray, but that's going to be a prayer that's answered. And when Christ says that, when you ask the father in his name, things will be granted to you. He's not saying that every single whim that you could possibly imagine will just be granted to you upon request. He's saying that if you go to the father with a legitimate request and it's within God, the father's will and Jesus Christ's will to do that, then you'll be granted that thing. And this even stands to reason for the sheer fact that we pray for God's will to be done, but also God is all powerful and his will will be done. So if you're praying according to his will, you're not asking amiss as James so lovingly puts it to us, then it makes sense that our prayers will be heard and will be answered. If, like I said, we're asking according to the will of God to go back briefly to that King and Prince analogy. If you go to the King and you start saying, Hey, the Prince sent me and he said that I'm the Prince now, or he said that I get everything he owns or something like that. The king is going to start to question, did the prince really send you? So, and again, all these analogies break down. I'm not saying that this is absolutely foolproof or you can't carry out this story a little bit too far and then suddenly be met with a bunch of theological inconsistencies. All analogies break down. But the point is you go to the father through Christ because his sacrifice allows you to do that. And then when you do go to the father, you can pray in Jesus Christ's name and your petition will be answered if it's according to Christ and the father's will. This is appropriate prayer. So it, it kind of elevates this from just a phrase or a saying that feels good. You know, it's like we're, we're including Christ in our prayer. That's a good thing. But no, this actually has meaning. This one phrase points to the prayer. If you're saying it with the full meaning points to the full prayer being appropriate because you're going through Christ and asking in Christ's name. The third point that I want to bring up is that Christ is our intercessor. He is there at the right hand of the father 
and he is petitioning for us. There are several sections of scripture, one in Romans that says the spirit groans within us, the things that we basically can't speak ourselves. Something's wrong or something. There's discontentment in our lives and the words just aren't coming, but the spirit in us groans and they groan to Christ and he discerns those things. And then he can go to the father on our behalf, which I don't know about you, but I mess up my words all the time. So if there were one person in the world, I would want to get my point across very, very clearly. It would be Jesus Christ because he knows my heart. And this bringing back of Christ's name in the ending of your prayer is almost like asking God, God, don't hear me, hear Christ, because he's going to explain it so much better than I ever could. Christ knows my heart. You know my heart. He can explain my predicament or what I'm asking or what I need better than I can myself. He is the perfect advocate. He is the perfect intercessor. It's almost like, have you ever wished that you had a filter between your brain and your mouth? Or, or people say, oh, that person has no filter. And these things, could, this filter could just catch the things that you don't mean or straighten out the confused thoughts and make them into intelligible words. Christ is like a filter for us in some way because we pray to the Father through Christ and then Christ can go to the Father and explain us because we are just humans. We are so lowly and sometimes we don't even understand ourselves that well. So it's fantastic that we can have Christ there. So to leave him out of our prayer entirely is just irresponsible. If, if you could put a filter in my head that would filter my words, I would probably never take it out. So to take Christ out of your prayer just seems irresponsible to me. That's really all I want to cover today. Just that when we pray and we say in Jesus Christ's name, before we say amen, it really speaks to a huge, huge amount of accurate and appropriate understanding of exactly who we're praying to, what we're praying about and for, where our heart's at. I think if we understand this phrase, then our prayers become that much more meaningful. And if we don't, then we're just saying it as vain repetition, which is, is not good. That's fruitless. And if you don't say this in prayer, maybe this is something to consider because of all of these points, the least of which is that Christ tells us to. He tells us to go to the Father in his name. So I think to say his name, to bring him into that prayer, obviously he hears you. He and the Father are one. He hears you. But to recognize that he's there and listening, to recognize that the only way you could go to the Father is through Christ, to recognize that to go in Christ's name is a responsibility on us to be asking according to the will of Christ and the will of the Father and to understand that he's our intercessor and to love that he's there for us. I think um, this is just really, really important. One last thing I want to cover, and I kind of already mentioned it, is praying to Christ. I know this is pretty controversial, but um, I, I don't think it really needs to be. Because one, Christ tells us to pray to the Father. Christ is the conduit. He is how we get to the Father. He is vastly important in our communication with God. He is God and he is listening to our prayers. He does hear them and he has a role in prayer as well. I mean, it's, it's very clearly specified. He is our advocate to the father. 
So to leave him out of prayer, which is kind of uh, my encouragement to you, if you don't say in Jesus Christ's name, amen, this is my encouragement to you to say, maybe you should include Christ in your prayer. On the other hand, though, if you are praying to Christ and only Christ, then you're in danger of leaving out the Father, who is exactly who Christ told us to pray to. And I don't think anybody actively wants to do that. And again, this is not a problem for the Father and Christ. This is a problem for us. This is a heart problem because the Father hears our prayers. Christ is there with the Father. They are one. They both are hearing us. But to leave one out is a mistake because they are both God. And I know that doesn't necessarily answer your question, should I, can I pray to Jesus Christ? And I'm not here to really do that. To me, this issue almost seems like something that Pharisees would bring to Christ and then he would answer with something that wasn't even what they were really saying, but still answered the question. And to me, that's what this is. Should we pray to Christ? Can we pray to Christ? And my answer to you is not yes, absolutely, or no, absolutely not. It's I would be careful to not leave out the Father or Jesus Christ in your prayer because they both have immense, immense importance in your communication because they are both God. I'm going to leave you with one final verse to kind of illustrate this point, and that is in John 14, and we'll start reading in verse 19. Christ says, A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. I think this verse really speaks to the oneness of God, but also the oneness that we should have with God in prayer, both the Father and Jesus Christ and us coming into fellowship through prayer, I think is vastly important. And to leave either the Father or Christ out in your prayer is a huge mistake. So, if you are someone who has constantly, for your entire life, always heard prayers being said with the ending tagline, in Jesus Christ's name, amen, I hope that now it's not just a tagline, but something that brings a lot of great meaning and depth to what you're saying, and that you can pray more fully and with more meaning. And if you're someone who has never said that before, I would encourage you to bring Christ into your prayers to the Father, because he asked it of us, and it's the appropriate way to do it. So thank you guys a lot for listening. Again, I really, really appreciate everybody just tuning in, sharing this podcast. It is incredibly humbling to log on every once in a while and see that uh, someone from a new country or someone from a state that I've never been to or heard of anybody from is listening. And that's because of you guys. So keep on sharing, keep on listening. And until next time, keep on thinking critically about the Bible. Thanks, everyone.